Hey everybody. Thanks for checking out something to wrestle today. We greatly appreciate your support. Uh, Bruce and I are working hard to find times and his schedule every week to continue to bring you the show, but all of a sudden I'm busier than ever before helping listeners just like you save more money than they ever thought possible. Don't take my word for it. Just ask Craig in Wisconsin. He recently saved some money at SaveWithConrad.com, left us a five-star review, and he wrote this. The process of refinancing my home was as easy as it could be. Jimmy and the rest of the team were in constant communication with me, and I was never left wondering what my next steps would be. I shaved 13 years off of my loan. 13 years! I received a better rate and saved $110,000 over the life of the loan. I just want to say to Conrad and the entire crew, I love you. Listen, this is a real review. Craig is going to save more than $110,000 and you can do this too. And listen, it's not fancy to figure out how we're doing it. We reduced his term from 30 years. He was just two years into a 30 year loan. So he has 28 left. We found a way to make the payments affordable on a 15 year loan. In the process, we cut 13 years worth of unnecessary house payments off. Run the numbers yourself right now. Throw it in your calculator. You know, you've got one 13 years times 12 monthly payments a year. That's 156 payments. Now what's your payment? You probably know it to the penny. He's going to save 110 grand. Find out how much money you can save right now for free. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And if we can't save you some cash, we won't waste your time, but we can even help families with credit scores in the 500s. So what are you waiting for? Let us run the numbers. Find out how much money you can save for free right now at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention you get to skip your next two house payments? If you haven't already, you can skip your June and your July payment. You're done until August 1st. And oh, by the way, we're licensed in more than 40 states. So why wouldn't you do this? Get a quick quote right now at savewithconrad.com. Welcome. Do something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Bruce Pritchard. Well, you know. That's not a rib. She pooted. She pooted. What a rib. No, yeah, but me. There's no box of gimmicks. Rumor and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor and innuendo. Was he there? I was there. Say something I don't give a shit. I ain't scared. Scared to shock him. Thank you, Bruce. Ah, you take you double cheeseburger. You take the bread. Double cheese. You know. And then double mayo. You know. It's called chicken salad. Double onion, motherfucker. Nothing but an egg sucking dog. Throw it in your Google machine. God damn, kid. God damn it. What the hell show you got there? I need more. Oh, yeah. What say you? Ronald. Something to wrestle with. Con Bruce Pritchard. The second most recognized athlete in the entire world today. Conrad Olsen. What happened when? Huh? What would Vince say about that? Well, hey Vince, tell me. My shorts look good tonight. Yeah. They're so big. Yeah. Cool. Bullshit. Welcome to WrestleMania. World title now. Welcome to something to wrestle something with. To wrestle something with. to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Something to Wrestle With. 
Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, what's going on, man? How are you? Ah, oh, just a gorgeous 72 degrees here and absolutely beauty. My sun shining, a light breeze in the air and uh, shit out on the deck working it. It's all good. It's probably uh, a lot warmer back home in Houston, Texas, before you relocated to Connecticut today. Fair to say? I would say I think it's uh, roughly 100 degrees there today. I talked to a buddy of mine uh, in Vegas. It was 107 this morning. So I'm good with my 72. Yeah, in the winter, you guys have it kind of rough. But this time of year, it's probably uh, probably pretty roll tight up there. Yeah, it's beautiful right now. Seriously, I got two days of beauty. That's it. Well, that's more than you've ever had before. We're, we're talking about. Hey, wait oh, a minute. Oh, come on. Uh, in your house, the very first one. It's funny because whenever I told somebody, oh, we're covering in your house, they would all say, which one? And I would just say, in your house. And they'd say, which one? And I'd say, in your house. And they'd say, which one? And I'd say, in your house. They're like, no, what number? And I'm like, no number. You're going to cover all the in your houses? No, just in your house. The first one wasn't numbered. They didn't call WrestleMania one WrestleMania one. It was just WrestleMania. Right, Bruce. Damn right. So, so your- what are we covering today? <laughs> We're covering WrestleMania one. No, it's in your house. It went down May 14th. Which one? Fuck off. Bruce. May 4th, 1995. We were supposed to cover this a few weeks back. Uh, life got in the way in this more, uh, unprecedented time. Uh, this one went down at the war memorial in Syracuse, New York. Hope there's no Marines nearby. Drew 7,000, only 3,500 of those were paying. The gate is puny $51,748, which I guess is probably the highest gate you guys have had in months, uh, in this empty arena era we're in. It does a 0.83 buy rate, which is the equivalent to, uh, 332,000 buys for a one point two six million dollar take at pay-per-view but the reason i wanted to cover this is because well two reasons one i love what is the reason you wanted to cover this i'm so glad you asked bruce one it was the 25th anniversary of this pay-per-view and i just love talking about things from 1995 it's a very interesting time in the organization for me it feels like things are down but we're hopeful that they'll start trending upwards. And we know they do a little bit in 96, but we're still not where we want to be. And they start to get there a little more in 97. And then in 98, man, we're off to the races, but this is a lull. This is a down spot. So it's fun to talk about how you guys were trying to, as you've said before here on the show, we're in a rebuilding year. Well, 95 was a rebuilding year, but also too, I like discussing the business side of this. And this is really the first time you're trying something like this. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. Um, okay. I'm, I, this is a little inside baseball. It's probably a little. Okay. But I've been texting with, uh, one of our lovely young ladies on SmackDown and I had sent her a text about one thing. And then you texted me about, Hey, basically, are you ready? And I sent an, I'm on and, but I inadvertently, sent it to her and, um, and she, okay, wants to know, anyway, and she wants to know what you're on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, that was funny. I just, it was a sidebar. Okay. Come on. This is Padron. 
Well, no, this is the main feed, baby. Eventually. I mean, yeah, everybody's getting it early on ad free shows for sure. But so I'm saying, yeah, they get it without the ads. <laughs> I love that. I can just drop you uh, <laughs> anywhere with a laptop and a backpack. And you're like, I got some bullshit and I'm here to sell it. I don't know what it is, but if you're in the market for it, here it is. <laughs> fuck i'm doing here let me tell you about who i had lunch with the other day bitch it tickles me that i said well this is yes it's going on ad free shows but this is the main feed well over there there's no ads you know how i knew that because you called it ad free shows i've been worked until my fingers are bleeding i don't know what's happening (laughs) i'm texting divas saying i'm on skype yeah hey you know what no zoom is the thing now right i zoom now well, not with me. We still kick it old school. We're still Skyping over here. Ah, 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 good Lord. Are you okay? Should we, should we try another time? Should we what? Should we try another time? Are you okay? I feel like you're really in a struggle right now. No, I just had to wet my whistle a little bit. Okay. Well, let's talk about how we can wet your whistle on in your house. Okay. Uh, this concept is, is you need to have notes on this. Yeah, we I sent them, you know, four weeks ago when we were trying to do this fucking show. <laughs> and you Oh shit. I'll share them with you on Google right now. So if you want to text that diva back, I'm on. Okay. Uh, see what happens. Hey, she gets it. No, no. She understands. She works in the chaos and in the madness. Yes. And and like and people understand me, Conrad. I'm an understandable kind of guy. I have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about, but I'm an understandable kind of guy. Let me know when it's okay to talk about the pay-per-view. You just go for it. So the concept is we've always had the big four. You know, of course we started with WrestleMania, not WrestleMania one. We started with WrestleMania and then eventually we add uh, survivor series and then we add SummerSlam. Somewhere along the way, we pick up Royal rumble. These are our big four and we have those over and over and over. And then occasionally there's something special like the match, the movie, but by and large, we've got these actually it's the movie, the match, you know why that's important because they show because the movie. You got to watch then, the movie first and then the before match. you get the match. Cause the match was new, but do you know <laughs> that for years here on the show, you've called it the match, the movie. Yeah. Because I don't fucking have a clue, but now when I say it, you correct me. Goddamn right. Okay. When I say it, it is right. When you say it, it's incorrect. I don't know if that sounds more like my dad. Never mind. So it's a three hour show for the one of these WrestleManias or SummerSlams or Survivor Series. But now we're going to try a different concept. Instead of charging $29.95 and $35 for WrestleMania. Uh, but instead of the traditional twenty nine ninety five for a Survivor Series or a SummerSlam or $35 for WrestleMania, we're going to charge $14.95 for a monthly concept where we trim it down from a three-hour show to a two-hour show and call it In Your House. And this is the very first one. Is this born out of, hey, uh, houses are down, we're not as hot as we were, Licensing isn't what it was. Merchandise isn't what it was. VHS isn't what it was, but our diehards are still there. Let's try to make a little money with a monthly pay-per-view, but 
let's be budget conscious. So we're not gouging them. Let's cut it as close to half as we can. And then we, we wind up sell, settling on 1495. Is that roughly the idea of how we get here? Well, you know, you're looking at it and when you're doing the monthly pay-per-views per se, which they weren't monthly pay-per-views yet at that point, but you're looking at these shows and saying, and you're looking at the, at the market just overall, what, what's happening out in the world today. And during this time, the direct TVs of the world, the, the dishes of the world and the cable companies are all expanding their pay-per-view availability with movies and special events and, and everything else in the world going on that if you're doing live events anyway, it's kind of like, well, what's one more and we'll send out before we do a television taping, um, add a, another day of TV, get this done and make some money. It just was a, it, it was a way to create a little bit more without doing a full blown three hour pay-per-view. I'm sure at the end of this pay-per-view, man, it was a big celebration. You know, not only was it a big deal for the fans, it was probably a big deal for the boys. I imagine it was cigars all around. And if you're looking for the best cigar around, you got to go see our friends at cupofjoes.com. And it's just in time for Father's Day, too. It makes a perfect gift for Father's Day. But don't take my word for it. Go check out all the great deals they've got over at cupofjoes.com forward slash podcast. You see, Cup of Joe's is home to over 50 brands of cigars, including favorites like Monte Cristo, Acid, Java, Davidoff, Rocky Patel, Kristoff, and more. And we should mention the guys over at Cup of Joe's, they're huge wrestling fans. So they're just like me and you. And whether you're looking to try a new cigar and singles, maybe even get a whole box. They've got you covered at Cup of Joe's with both great prices and excellent customer service. Check out their page right now for a ton of exclusive deals just because you listen, it's cupojoes.com forward slash podcast. Or if you're like me and you're old school, send them an email info at cupojoes.com to talk to one of their awesome cigar specialists. Their cigars are carefully stored in a beautiful walk-in humidor to ensure that your cigars are going to come fresh and humidified. And they've got all the accessories you could ever need. Everything from lighters, cutters, and everything in between. Find out what all the hubbub is about and get dad what he really wants, some badass cigars. And get a great deal in the process. Just go to cupojoes.com forward slash podcast. That's C-U-P-O-J-O-E-S dot com forward slash podcast. And when you get there, you'll see what I mean. These guys are huge wrestling fans. So support your fellow wrestling fan who loves this podcast as well. And get dad a kick-ass Father's Day gift over at cupojoes.com forward slash podcast. Let's do talk about though, you know, once upon a time, I mean, the rumor has been, this is created because you guys lost revenue from Saturday night's main event, which I don't buy and declining VHS, you know, home video sales, which I do buy because once upon a time, these cassette tapes were not cheap and you guys were making substantial revenue. <laughs> I just blew my nose. Sorry. It's one of those days, Conrad. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be one of those days. I'm telling you right now, you've already known that, but go ahead. That's it. That's my question. I'll let you answer. (laughs) 
the main thing, probably more than anything, we've talked about this before, was remember when Batman came out on VHS for, was it $9.99? Yeah, it was a discounted number from what everybody else had been doing for sure. For for years, you know, you would wait for VHSs to come out. They'd they'd be in that seventy dollar price range, and and even ours were very high priced. And then Batman, the first Batman came out, and it was like nine ninety nine, and that completely blew up the VHS uh, tape companies because now you have a brand new movie on out on tape, and they're charging ridiculously low prices. Um, it wasn't ridiculously low. The others were just ridiculously high. This was an opportunity to compete with that and not having to go into the extra. You have the extra added expense of producing and distribution with video here. It's you're presenting a live television show and you're only actually, there's no real additional cost other than production, um, that you're moving everybody out to do TV anyway and doing three days instead of two days. So um, pick up that extra revenue and distribute it through the systems that are already in place in direct TV and, and cable and what have you. So it was a why not? Why in the hell aren't we doing this? Um, not going as far as the, you know, we thought that it was nuts to go every month. We really did. Who's going to who's going to want to see a pay-per-view every month? Good Lord. Nobody wants that. Um, but they did. They wanted more. So that, that was it was an answer to a problem, like you said, of the videotapes more than anything. We, uh, we should mention that even though the price is $14.95 to start, by the end of the year here in 1995, the price is going to be increased to 1999. And I mean, I think that's probably, I mean, eventually you guys are going to move away, even from the two hour concept and go to three hours because you realize that, Hey, these guys are going to buy it because they're hardcore wrestling fans. They took a $5 bump. No problem. Probably won't kill them to go another five or 10. And it actually works out. Uh, and that is one of the reasons that, uh, Vince was able to sort of turn things around in 1997 after he goes back to Brett and says, Hey, uh, I can't afford that contract. Well, switching to this three hour model and upping the price that really helped. Let's talk about the beginning of in your house though. Who came up with the name? Uh, I only bring this up because it was through the course of us doing these shows that fans learned that Howard Finkel, uh, God rest his soul is the person who named WrestleMania. Do you remember who named in your house? It was, it was a combination. I, re I remember the meeting and I remember some of the marketing people being in the meeting in particular, Basil DeVito was in a, a part of that particular meeting that we're, we're going to be in your house. It's, you don't have to go out to get it. You know, it's going to be right there in your house. And, um, just a different way of promoting pay-per-view. It's the same delivery system, same everything else. And in your house stuck. It's in a way when we always referred to raw is this, it's going to be a raw down and dirty, gritty show. It's, you know, this show's going to be very raw. It became raw. 
um, putting it in your house, it became in your house and just took on a life of its own and became WWE presents in your house. Let's, um, you know, I know it's not really the same thing, but let's just address for a minute that the, the shorter runtime and it not being one of the big four made it feel to me as a fan, almost like WCW's clash of the champions. Of course, the idea being Turner owns WCW. So he puts clash of the champions on TBS for free. Whereas in your house becomes a pay-per-view style event. And we know eventually it's going to be phased out and it'll be called bad blood and judgment day and no way out and unforgiven and backlash and fully loaded. But this is kind of topical now because we see that NXT is bringing in your house back. Were you surprised to see that NXT was going to dust off the old brand here? No, I think again, it's one of those, everything that's old is new again. So why not? And let's go ahead and take something that we've done before that was successful, that some of the audience is familiar with and, and dust it off and introduce it to a new audience. Makes sense. As a reminder, we're coming off of WrestleMania 11, where we saw diesel retain the world title, defeating Shawn Michaels. We also saw in the last match on the card, Lawrence Taylor, pick up a win over bam, bam, Bigelow, as well as Owen Hart winning his first title in the company. He and his mystery partner, Yoko Zuna would defeat the smoking guns to win the world tag team titles. So that sort of sets the stage from the most recent pay-per-view. But let's take a minute and just compare year over year, 94 and 95. In May of 94, your average attendance is 3,570 fans. We're down only 3.6% a year later in May of 95 to 3,440 fans. But your average gate is way down. Uh, It's going to go from $57,250 to $43,000. Two hundred and fifty dollars. So we're down twenty four percent. And the ratings, though, tell a different story, which is sort of fascinating. They're up fifteen percent, going from a two point zero to a two point three. What's sort of the um, the temperature of the chairman here in May of ninety five? Does he feel like we're on a slippery slope and we're headed down? Is he hopefully optimistic, as we always hear he is, or is there any difference? Is it business as usual, no matter what? He never sells it good, bad, or indifferent. Well, there, there's not going to be any, any depression or, or, oh my God, we're, we're down. It, it's always going to be optimistic and looking to, no matter what your number is, you can have the greatest number in the world. You can do the biggest house and set all the records in the world. The next day it's all right, today's a new day. What's next? You get all of about maybe five minutes to enjoy that. And then you move, move on and to bigger and better things. So, you know, in looking at it, I know that there was a movement across the board with live events because live events for everybody, Ringling Brothers, the Globetrotters, Disney on Ice, all of the family touring shows hit all, they were all feeling it. They were all declining in live attendance. So we went back to, what you did in the old days, popular prices and you reduce your prices and and you promote it. And the better tier tickets usually remain about the same. However, you, for those tickets that are 
the toughest to sell, you reduce the price and you promote popular prices and, and a reduction in ticket prices, which hopefully is going to garner more people at the box office and coming in that may not have ordinarily come due to whatever that last ticket price was. And you do whatever it is that you can to get more people in the door to sell more concessions and sell more merchandising. And hopefully you entertain them enough. They're going to come back. Let's mention, uh, after WrestleMania monster Ripper comes into the WWF and she's given the name Bertha Faye to feud with Alundra blaze for the women's title. Do you remember what led to her coming in? I know that was a request from Medusa because Medusa had worked with her in Japan, I believe. And we were looking for new, new women talent, new female talent to come in and have the kind of matches that the Lunder wanted to have and make it different. So, um, Bertha coming in, she was, I believe she was Canadian and, you know, Owen knew all of her. Um, the hearts definitely knew about her and she had a hell of a reputation. So she came in and Vince took one look at her and Bertha Fay. it fit. And she, I remember the first time hearing that, um, the way that she laughed about it and chuckled about it was so infectious that it, 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 that was it. She was Bertha Faye. She was just so, um, just so lively. I, I, don't, I don't know how, how else to say it, but she, she was tickled at that and had such an infectious smile and laugh that she was a Bertha Faye. It fit. We should mention, uh, she actually went to the same high school as, uh, Owen and Brent Hart there in Calgary, which I wouldn't have guessed. Uh, let's talk a little bit about something Meltzer reported in this era that I didn't know 60 minutes was once upon a time, considering doing a story on the steroid trial that the WWF was going through. And this happens on the heels of the deaths of both Eddie Gilbert and John stud. And they were both discussed in the court testimony from Zahorian and McMahon, uh, during this whole steroid trial. So when these two guys die sports illustrated and, and 60 minutes, both start working on pieces. But Sports Illustrated appears to get the jump on Wild World of Sports. And once it looks like they've got an airing scheduled, uh, 60 Minutes just sort of tables it. Did you guys have any sort of inclination or did you hear that 60 Minutes was thinking about doing some sort of a story? And were you thankful that that didn't wind up happening? At that time, I think everybody wanted to do stories on it and thinking that they had a scoop. Most when they got into it, realized that so much of it was guys making decisions to do what they were going to do and that the scandal in dirt that they were looking for wasn't actually there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there were a lot of people doing shit at the time. After a while, you go, oh, okay, some, somebody else is doing a story. You just move on. Right. Well, somebody else who's moving on, moving on in is Michael Hayes. Uh, Meltzer would write Michael Hayes, AKA Michael Seitz debuted on superstars as doc Hendricks and a Jimi Hendrix gimmick with a haircut shave and being much better dressed. 
Jerry Lawler moved to doing raw. Jim Cornette was only a temporary co-host, which was understood from the beginning because he didn't like having to commute to Connecticut on a weekly basis. And with Lawler doing raw, that means he has to tape every Monday morning in Connecticut and then fly back for the Monday show in Memphis on the weeks when raw isn't done live. So there's a lot of moving parts here, but talk to me a little bit about Michael Hayes coming in. And we had most recently seen him in WCW, of course, as a free bird, as an announcer. And now he's joining the big time world wrestling federation. What do you remember about Hayes coming in? So Michael Hayes, you know, Michael had been one of those guys, very persistent that if you told Michael, Hey, we don't have anything for you today, but who knows what's going to happen in six months. Uh, give us a call back. Michael's going to call you at six months in one day. And we continually put Michael's name in front of Vince and Vince would continually say no, but Michael wanted to wrestle and Michael felt he had one last run left. Time went on and we were in a position where we really needed a color commentator. Michael called it's that six month and one day point. And I said, Michael, what about being a color commentator? I don't give a fuck, dude, 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 because goddamn, I need to do something. And the pitch was a little bit different this time to Vince. It wasn't, hey, Vince, Michael Hayes is available to come in and maybe work. It became, how about bringing Michael Hayes in as a color commentator to work with you on superstars? Well, we needed a color guy, and uh, timing's everything, and this was a point where Vince said, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll bring him in, but God damn it, I, 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 I don't want him with that look. His look is just too Southern wrestling, and not interested in that. So I called Michael back and said, hey, here's the deal. Um, I'm going to bring you in, like to do a tryout with you and Vince, see how you guys jive together personality wise and see if this thing is going to work. There is one thing. I can almost guarantee he's going to ask you to cut your hair. And that's what I thought. That's exactly what I thought I was going to get. I ain't fucking cutting my hair. I ain't shaving my beard. Ain't doing none of that. And Michael said, well, that's what I got to do. Then that's what I got to do. You know, um, don't do anything yet because it may not work out. Right. So we felt very strongly when I say we, uh, I felt very strongly. I know Jim Ross felt very strongly that Michael would knock it out of the park once he got in front of Vince and maybe Vince would like him so much that. He doesn't care what he looks like. Michael knocked it out of the park. But I will never forget uh, when Michael arrived that day and got out of the car and walked in strutting like only a free bird can and the hair was flowing everywhere. And I was sitting down in shipping and receiving, waiting on him. And he shows up and I went, oh, God, that hair's got to go. We had the tryout, put him in the booth. This was like, God damn, let's do this thing. Just one thing, Michael. We got to talk about the air. He's like, whatever you need, boss. This is all right. 
And it just so happened that we had a uh, stylist, a hairstylist upstairs. <laughs> so that uh, we, well, we uh, look, I brought him in fully no. intending to use him and, and put him to work that day. You knew he was going to hit. You just... I knew he was going to hit. I absolutely. And rather than wait for him to go get a haircut that may or may not work for Vince. Let's hit the ground running. Let's do it today and go to work. Yeah. I had a hairstylist there ready to go and said, well, as a matter of fact, we've got a young lady upstairs that can cut your hair for you and we can go to work, man. And, and get you going. So how much are we going to cut? I mean, just take a little bit off the back and the sides and, Gonna try well, to make you look like a normal human, kinda. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We need to just kind of freshen you up a little bit, bring you into the 1990s. So we went upstairs, and Vince went up with us, and uh, she says, "How about this much?" And, and we cut. You know, we cut his hair to a respectable haircut. I thought he looked good, actually, and I thought it it also uh, probably made him look ten years younger. Then from there, Vince is looking at him and goes, ah, what about that beard? And Michael says, goes, does he kind of at least keep the mustache? He goes, well, let's see what it looks like. So they shaved the beard, and he had the mustache, and Vince was like, no, I'm cool with that. No, you look good. Then he started thinking about the name. And he says, what are you, are you, you know, married to Michael Hayes? Well, kind of. What if we just change it up? He goes, look, those that know, they're going to know. He says, but there's a large audience out there that's not going to know, and especially in this role. So what if we change your name up? You know, what what, what do you like to do? Yeah, you know, I like rock and roll, like Southern rock. You know, I like singing. And, uh, you know, and uh, I says, hmm, so it may be something musical. And... Uh, he said something, somebody said something about, uh, Doc Severinsen, who was the band leader on the tonight show with Johnny Carson. Right. And he's like, Doc's cool. Yeah. I like Doc. He says, who are some of the other, you know, musicians that you like? Well, there's, you know, Leonard Skinner. And, uh, you know, we talk about Doc Skinner and, uh, Doc Leonard and all this different shit. It, it, you know, Jimi Hendrix name came up. It was like Doc Hendrix. Doc, Doc Hendrix was born. And put him out in the studio. And hello, everyone, and welcome to WWF Superstars. I'm Vince McMahon. Along with me, I'd like to introduce you to my new color commentator, Doc Hendrix. And date, date, date. The rest, as they say, is history. I got to admit that when I heard over at paintyourlife.com, you could have an original painting by a world-class artist done by hand from a photo. I thought, what a great idea, but it must be so expensive. And then it turns out I was wrong. Not only is the work incredible, it's truly affordable. Seeing is believing, and uh, you don't have to take my word for it. Cruise over to Ric Flair's Instagram and scroll back to around Christmas time, and you'll see uh, the tremendous portrait uh, that my wife and I commissioned for him and Wendy to uh, memorialize their special day from 2018. And it was done by a world-class artist 
from a photo all by hand. And man, it was such a hit that we got my mom one of uh, her favorite dog. I mean, it's her best friend. And Megan and I even have one in our right now in our dining room. And I know that Bruce actually has one coming. His wife is all excited. Stephanie's going to hang that uh, with pride in the Pritchard household. This thing is unbelievable. And here's how it works. You get a professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo, all at a truly affordable price. You also get to choose from a team of world-class artists. You work with them until every detail is perfect. By the way, the platform, super easy, super user-friendly. I mean, you're going to be on the right track with your hand-painted portrait in less than five minutes. By the way, it's quick and easy. You can get these hand-painted portraits in roughly three weeks. And here's how it works. You send any picture, yourself, your kids, your family, a special pet, a special place, and you can even combine photos. But the reason I'm mentioning this to you right now is it makes an incredible Father's Day gift. You can also use it for birthdays or anniversaries, but this is something truly meaningful, personal, and it'll be cherished forever. This is not socks. This isn't a tie. Uh, everybody that's seen the one in my dining room is blown away. You will be too. But if you're looking to blow away dad this Father's Day, well, you got to know that at paintyourlife.com, there's no risk. You see, if you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. You get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping to get this special offer. Just text the word WRESTLE to 64000. That's WRESTLE to 64000. Text WRESTLE to 64000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter the most. And as a byproduct of all this, Lawler winds up on Raw and he becomes a fixture there. For a long time, right? Absolutely. So I, you know, it worked out in every realm in my, you know, I just, I think everybody worked out and got in their right places. Not long after WrestleMania, we start seeing vignettes for a newcomer named Hunter Hearst Helmsley. We talked about in our WrestleMania 11 show that that's when he first visits the company backstage and Terry Taylor recommends you go uh, introduce yourself to Kevin Nash and Shawn Michaels and try to ride with those guys. It works out. He winds up doing pretty well for himself over the years, but let's talk about him coming in here. You guys just decided to stick with the, essentially the same gimmick he had in WCW where he was Jean-Paul Levesque. I mean, at least looks and feels similar. Did you guys just sort of see him as that character or was it just, let's just throw him out there and see what he can do. No, we actually, it was different than the character. I think that the dress was the same, but the character that he was doing in WCW was a French character uh, to go with William Regal or Stephen Regal there. And then later on, I guess Bobby Eaton filled that role, but there he was a French character that was going to be working with uh, the Englishman, Steve Regal. We brought him in as a, uh, the snootiest of snoots uh, from Greenwich, Connecticut. And, wanted him to be a, a Greenwich aristocrat, you know, looking down his nose at everybody. And we looked at, you know, the most expensive place in America to live. And I think at that time on that day, it was actually Greenwich, Connecticut. And it was uh, half assed you know, a rib on me to Vince to say, oh, yeah, let's have him be from Greenwich, Connecticut, because there's no place worse in the world to live. Um, and anybody that lives in Greenwich is a heel. heel. Yeah. I yeah. knew you were going to go there. Well, it worked out for him to say the least. 
Uh, yeah, I think it did. During a tour of Germany during this time, you guys had, uh, whether you know this or not, there were some programs issued that had a bunch of errors in them that have become rather collectible in more recent years. Diesel is listed as being seven foot four. Sid is referred to as psycho kid. Uh, so just a little footnote that I want oh, to psycho kid at. vicious. Hey, speaking of kid, uh, around this era, Meltzer would report that the career of 22 year old one, two, three kid is somewhat in jeopardy after suffering a broken neck at the April 24th television tapings in Omaha. The injury acknowledged on WWF television programs this past weekend was believed to be an aggravation of an injury suffered a few days prior while still on the European tour. Kid had suffered a brain concussion. I don't know what other kind there is on March 12th in Anaheim and tried to come back too soon and was shaken up again one week later during a show in MSG. Uh, this left him well below hundred percent one week later at the Tokyo hall, Tokyo sumo hall, rather. Uh, the injury, a cracked seventh cervical vertebrae is believed to have occurred when he was in a tag match with razor Ramon against Jeff Jarrett and the roadie in a dark match designed to get the four ready for their pay-per-view match scheduled on May 14th in Syracuse in the match. Ramon did a spot where he did an over the head backwards body slam with kid onto roadie and kid landed wrong. Roadie wound up pinning kid with a DDT. And while this isn't confirmed, I believe this was the scheduled finish and not a finish just to end the match immediately because of concern over the injury. According to reports, the first doctor he saw told him his wrestling career was over, but a second opinion thought he would recover in due time. He's still waiting for the results of tests that will come back towards the latter part of this week, which could determine just how serious the break really was the general belief at press time. And this could change later this week is that he'll be out of action two to three months, but still most likely returning to wrestling in some ways. The injury was similar to a famous injury suffered by Bruno San Martino in 1976 and his match with Stan Hansen. San Martino, who was 40 at the time, returned about 10 weeks later, although the return was rushed because he, as the WWF champion, was needed to headline a Shea Stadium rematch. On WWF TV over the weekend, it was announced that Ramon would wrestle both Jarrett Rody in a handicap match. We should note that Kid was first taken after the matches to an Omaha hospital for ultimately being sent home to Minneapolis the next day, a very scary situation, especially when you consider he's only 22. Uh, what were you hearing about kids injury and, and were you optimistic that he was going to be okay? Well, you never really know with neck injuries of that sort because probably a general practitioner and looking at an injury like that for a normal person would say, Oh, Oh my God, you know, you can never do what you do and you really need to go to a specialist who understands exactly what those type of injuries are like. And also someone that works with athletes that are conditioned in, in a little bit different way. So the experts that work with athletes are a little bit more apt optimistic that with the proper treatment and the proper rehab that yes, they can come back from those type of an injury um, as long as they do everything right. And they're just scary. It's head injuries, neck injuries, that shit's scary. And the way that the kid worked was high risk in and of itself to try and do the things that he did on a nightly basis with an injured neck 
it's now you're wondering what kind of one, two, three kid am I going to have? So knock on wood, thankfully it was, uh, it was something that he was able to come back from. But in, in the beginning, that shit's always scary because nine times out of 10, the first opinion that you get from the first doctor that looks at you, that doesn't know you is ah, your career's over. And then you move on and figure it out. Well, I'm glad he kicked out and was able to return around the same time. Dan Spivey, uh, returned to the WWF, but this time he has black hair. He's named Waylon mercy. I got to tell you, this character feels like it's way ahead of its time. JR is really, really high on this. And I bet you are too. Uh, when he first debuted on the main roster or even in NXT, a lot of folks were saying, oh man, Bray Wyatt and Waylon mercy. They're so similar. I could see where there were some similarities, but really the presentation is a lot different, but it is sort of, uh, fun to look back and say, Hey man, was that the, the seeds of something to come? What can you tell us about Waylon mercy and Dan Spivey? Well, Waylon was something, you know, Dan had been Dan Spivey for so long. And I think that a lot of people looked at Spivey as, uh, an unmustached Hulk Hogan for so many years. A lot of people even got him confused. When you look at them, they both wore the yellow and red and both had long blonde hair. And this was an attempt for Dan to, you know, Dan was from Florida and kind of had those Southern roots. This was an opportunity for Dan to change his look completely and try on a little bit of a different character. And this was more of a sadistic character based on Max Katie from Cape Fear. And just trying to speak in a slow southern voice and tell stories, you know what I mean? And be a little off-putting, be charming to a point, but be very dangerous in the ring. And Dan's knees and body was starting to give out on him. And being a heel and being in this character would allow him to maybe, hopefully, get a few more years in the ring. Of course we know it's not a, a long run here. I assume it's just, uh, his knees couldn't keep up with the WWE schedule. Is that sort of the story here? Pretty much his, his whole body. I think that, you know, Dan, it, it just reached a point in his career that a lot of talent reaches where it's time to hang up the boots. Let's do another little uh, note here from Meltzer. According to the TV trade journals, Fox is considering a one hour WWF show for Saturdays at 7 PM, four times after NFL football season, WWF is one of many things being considered according to the article, but no deal is done. Now, also being considered supposedly is a worked karate show using wrestler gimmicks like personalities and interviews produced by former WWF execs, Nelson Swegler and Jim Troy of which 16 episodes have already been filmed in long beach. How involved was WWE with this? Or is this once Nelson and Jim are already out of the company? They were already gone out of the company at that point. They had tried to, uh, kind of do something off of a show that we were a part of in development, which was going to be the WMAF, the world martial arts federation but the same storyline and they essentially took the same concept and tried to do it elsewhere. Um, but it was, you know, it's funny 
and, and I guess wrestlers are like this too. It's just, I, I've been so heavily involved in the professional wrestling and things the majority of my life that it's a little surrealistic. And in case you didn't know, Conrad, I'm a three-time black belt hall of famer. You remind me every week, not every week. I don't think I mentioned it at all last week. I put it in a spot last week. So our fans still heard it, even though you didn't say it. Okay. Well, I mean, only because it's true. Sure. So I've spent my whole life in martial arts, but I never really took it seriously. You know, I, I took karate to, cause it was the closest thing to wrestling I could do. We didn't have wrestling in Texas. And so when you're dealing with the martial artists, so many of them, even the guys that were the Hollywood stuntmen took themselves so fucking seriously that once we got into it and, and I'm trying to explain to him about how, you know, we want to tell stories and we want, you know, this, the, the fights will be choreographed and, and this is going to be episodic television. It's, it's going to be a, a 13 week season ending with a big finale that will take us to season two. Um, guys not wanting to put other guys over. It, it was hilarious that I was sitting there with a bunch of guys who had gone from competitively fighting to choreographing in Hollywood to now that they're going to be featured as a fighter in a fictional karate martial arts competition that they didn't want to put guys over that they didn't like in, in real life or they had fought for real before. It was, I was just dumbfounded because it was some pretty big names that we were talking with and guys that were like, ah, yeah, I'll, I'll do it, but I have to win. Let's take a minute here to talk about a couple other names. Well, first of all, I guess, before we talk about the names, we do know that you guys do have some shows that wind up airing on Fox, sort of a spinoff of a, the old school Saturday night's main event. How many times do you recall or. Just talk to us about that Fox relationship. I mean, we know years later in more recent years, there's going to be a huge deal on, on the table for WWE. It really locks in their financial future for the foreseeable future. This deal that you guys are under with Fox and SmackDown now that predated you coming back to the, to the company and all that, blah, blah, blah. I'm just saying in general, the relationship with the company and Fox, I mean, we know what the relationship was with NBC, especially you know, much has been written about. Ebersol and Vince, and you've talked to us a lot about Bonnie Hammer at USA and Vince. What was the relationship like here with Rupert Murdoch's outfit and Vince? Uh, Rupert and Vince have always had a good relationship, uh, to my knowledge, going way, way back. Uh, Rupert and Vince have always gotten along. The Fox deal was, it was experimental on Fox's part. You know, let's try this. Let's try and do, you know, a, a sampling of Saturday night's main event. The only problem with Fox and late night television was that Fox, for the most part, their late night went to the local stations. They didn't do a lot of late night programming. So that's where it was difficult. You're trying now to be on the network and they didn't control what took place after 11 o'clock at night the local affiliate did. Right. 
And so that's that's where it became a little kabuki-ish and not as advantageous for us at the time uh, as an NBC that had a late night block on Saturday night and or after after local news. You know, so they they still controlled their programming after 1130. And that didn't go to the local affiliates. So that was that was probably the biggest issue as to why it didn't work and why it didn't go any further than it did. You know, a lot of times here on the show, we talk about what was supposed to happen and then why it didn't happen. And it's almost become a cop out on the show. We say plans change Conrad, but in wrestling with all the activity, there's lots of injuries and things have to be redone sometimes on the fly. And that sucks for all involved. But if you've been changing some of your plans because of pain, well, I think I've got some good news for you. You see, I've been reading a lot about CBD and the relief that CBD offered for extreme aches and pains, but what if there was something better than CBD? Well, I found it. It's called Leafa, and it's a brand new relief cream that works on contact, and you don't need a prescription for it. Leafa contains over 3,000 milligrams of CBD and beta-caryophyllene, plus it has menthol. For those that don't know, beta-caryophyllene is another phytocompound like CBD, but instead of just reacting to receptors in the body, beta-caryophyllene binds to them, making it more powerful than just CBD alone. Leafa is the only formula on the market that contains these ingredients and they combine for a more fast-acting targeted relief on contact. By the way, it feels really great. With social distancing and sheltering in place, I've been trying to keep a little more active at home, but I'm not really that motivated because I'm tired and achy. I get really stiff and sore and I need some relief. I applied the Leafa to my joints, especially my left knee, and man, it felt really great. It absorbed fast and left no greasy residue. Leafa made my left knee feel so much better on contact. It smells great too. It's not like a bad medicine smell, but don't take my word for it. Try it for yourself. Experience Leafa's relief. It's a free $60 value during Leafa's nationwide free trial. Now, all you've got to do is pay the shipping. To get your free Leafa, just go to yourleafasupply.com. That's yourleafasupply.com for your free trial. Let me spell it for you. That's Y-O-U-R-L-E-F-A-S-U-P-P-L-Y.com, yourleafasupply.com. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Talk to us about Nelson Swagler. He's a name that a lot of us have heard, but aren't really familiar with. Like, I don't know that I could even pick him out of a lineup. I know that you probably got recently acquainted with him in more recent years. I think y'all may have worked a little bit together with MLW when you were down there for a cup of coffee, but, uh, Swagler is a name that we heard a lot in the good old days of the WWF. What did he do? And, and what can you tell us about him? Uh, Nelson was a math teacher and an engineer. So, um, by default, he became the, the producer <laughs> of shows like all American wrestling and prime time early on because, um, they just didn't have a lot of people. And Nelson was involved in television from standpoint of, uh, technical. He was into the technical end of TV and, what equipment you would need and staffing and things of that nature. So when Vince would send people out to go shoot things, 
he would tell Nelson, here's what I want. Nelson would go out and then Nelson would become producer director of some of those things and take it from there. You know, he'd bring Kerwin Silfies as the director and, and Nelson would produce talent based on what Vince told him to do. Um, but Nelson was not a really creative guy. Uh, Nelson was very misunderstood, very curmudgeonly. He, he was very curmudgeonly is the best adjective I could come up with to describe Nelson. He appeared very grumpy, um, very miserable all the time, always never had a smile on his face. And if you took the time to get to know him, he'd be a very pleasant guy. It's just, you had to break through all the bullshit in the engineering, uh, wall that he would put up because he was smarter than everybody else. He was a math teacher. So he knew more and he was smarter than everybody and to that, you know, I just say that uh, I always liked Nelson. I didn't always like Nelson. Let me take that back because um, I thought he was grumpy. But once I took the time to get to know him and after the afternoon that we had at Cheetahs in Atlanta, I like Nelson. You took him to Cheetahs in Atlanta? I did. I did. And I introduced him as my dad. And, and then he, I, I brought, I brought, uh, friends over entertainers to entertain him. And he was happy with that. He was great with it, man. He, he brought entertainers to entertain me. It was, it was fabulous, but he let his hair down, had a few beers and he was uh, an absolute blast. And that's, you know, was kind of our bonding moment of, all right, he's not a stuck up curmudgeonly old guy, but he's, uh, I think he was 85 then, and now I think he's still like 85. I don't know. He never has seemed to age. What was he, he was, doing? He's one of the, always been old. What was he doing with MLW? Um, I guess booking the buildings and booking the equipment and crews and things of that nature. I think. I got you. Well, let's talk about the other name that's listed here. Jim Troy. I think most wrestling fans who've heard our podcast have probably only heard his name one other time. And it's in reference to, uh, the physical altercation he had with Coco beware on a UK on a European tour. But Jim Troy was actually with Vince before Vince was even all the way in the wrestling business. Right? Like I think Vince Jim, hi hired yeah. him to, cause once upon a time, Vince tried promoting a lot of other things. And we don't ever talk about that here, here on the show, but he did, um, like a, a hockey league. And he, he, had got, a, he had a hockey arena, the Cape Cod Coliseum that with the Coliseum, you inherited the hockey team and Vince, not knowing anything about hockey, hired Jim Troy, who was a former hockey goon that they used to send out onto the ice to get in a fight with the other team and beat up their best player. Uh, Jim was a tough guy, but he was also a decent businessman. And Jim is the one that really helped initialize a lot of the international touring early on with the WWF, uh, God, in the early eighties. And, and he's the one that did a lot of those deals. Jim was the one that did a lot of the deals with USA network initially and handled the business there with Coliseum video. I've read over the years that he even helped put together the deal for, Vincent Kennedy McMahon to buy out his father in the WWF. Is that right? I don't know. I, I don't know that he, I, I don't know if he did or to what extent that he did at all on that, but 
I know that Troy was was instrumental in a lot of international deals, some good, some bad. Jim loved boxing. And any time that we took a foray into the boxing world, Jim was a big part of that. Um, he was, you know, he was a, a he was Don Draper. Mm. Best way to describe him. He's only 67. Do you, do you think he has any relationship with Vince now in 2020? I, I don't think they do. I, I think they run into each other on occasion, but not on a regular basis. No. Let's, uh, let's keep it going. I'm just fascinated looking back at some of these old names. Let's talk about the actual show we're here for in your house. Which one? Fucker. Uh, the first match is Bret Hart and Hakushi, and this is Bret's first match Bless. of the evening. Later in the show, he also has to wrestle Jerry Lawler. We haven't spent a ton of time talking about Hakushi. I'm really excited that we get a few minutes to talk about him here. I have to admit, um, I was a big fan of this guy's look and presentation when he popped up in ECW like three years later. Uh, that was cool, but I, I knew him mostly from watching old Japanese tapes. How did he make the transition to, to coming over and being a part of the WWF? JJ Dillon had seen Hakushi in Japan and it talked about how this guy walked the ropes and what an incredible athlete that he was and the unique look and the tattoos all over his body. Um, you know, we had seen him work over there and the guys that he was working with were a bit smaller but you didn't have any perspective. You didn't know how big Hakushi was compared to a lot of the talent that we had. And Hakushi was working with much smaller talent in Japan. So everything we saw, he looked like a big guy. And then he came and he wasn't that big of a guy, a tremendous talent. I mean, very gifted, very young. And, we had to bring in uh, Akio Sato to be his manager to just kind of help him get around because he didn't speak English, didn't read English. And we had Sato be his manager to just kind of help him out here in the U.S. and help teach him English. And, and Hakushi was good with his studies. He actually would study and, and would try to learn the language and try to read and write and what have you. Um, but I think that the probably the biggest detriment was his size. Um, and him coming in, we were really looking for him to be this big, vicious heel. And I think initially upon seeing him, it was kind of like, God, is anybody going to believe it? Um, go back to they'll believe it if they see it. So he came in. I was a big fan of his. Um, even after seeing him, you know, meeting him, I thought, wow, here's a guy that uh, is dedicated to his art. I love the look and the presentation. And I thought we could have done a lot more with him. I just was. And Brett, while Brett worked with him, I think that Brett kind of felt that I don't want to say that it was beneath him because that's, he didn't and Brett, cause Brett liked him, but I think Brett felt that Brett should have been working with uh, more top tier guys. Well, we'll talk about the, the match and the pairing here, but you said something earlier where you thought, or you said that 
you know, we knew about the tattoos. I've always been led to believe that, and these were temporary, but I've always been led to believe that that was a WWF thing. Like the, the look is very similar, but adding the writing all over him was sort of homage to, um, a Japanese folk character who had sort of a similar series of markings on his body. But I think that that was a WWE thing. Who in, do you think he would have presented that idea or do you think someone? No, he did it in Japan. Okay. We completely ripped it off from, from him doing it in Japan. We liked it. We liked that look and he had been doing it over there, which, which is what kind of drew our attention to him. He was unique. One of the things that he did that you said, uh, you said the phrase, we ripped it off. A lot of people would say, oh, this top rope walk undertaker's already doing that. Um, whenever someone does something that similar to the undertaker, it feels like they need to get their blessing. I think somewhere along the way, even before the Austin three sixteen shirt hit with the, the smoking skull on the back, I think that Austin needed to go get permission from the undertaker to do that. And of course, taker was, Hey man, good, good by me. Go make your money. I don't own skulls, but within this sphere, you know, this little WWF world, we've heard that's not always the case, you know? So if somebody comes over and you know, they're hurricane Helms, but their WCW name was Shane Helms. Well, you can't be a Shane. We already have a Shane. Okay. We're going to call you something else. Was there a concern or an issue with him doing his sort of praying rope walk, which is one of the things that made undertaker matches so unique and special at the time. No, there wasn't. And it, and it was even, you know, talk about having a match with undertaker and, and having a program with the undertaker. So that was something that was discussed because of the similar styles and, and in some ways a similar gimmick, you know, it was similar yet different. It's funny yeah. that you say that because I think Jim Johnston at Starcast, I think he was asked about this, or maybe it was just off air. I don't know. I heard it from him at Starcast that the two ideas were, or the idea for Hakushi was he was supposed to be like the polar opposite. Uh, he was the, um, the total like bizarro version of the undertaker. So as the undertaker is, is dark, he's light. And so he even tried to make the music sort of feel that way, sort of, um, in presentation, just a yin and yang, if you will, if that makes sense. To a point. Yes. I mean, it was more than anything, kind of a, a Japanese version and they were very similar, but at the same time, different. Well, the other thing that you do here is. I assume you put him uh, with a manager because that's just what you do in this era when there is a, a Japanese heel, uh, but you probably needed a mouthpiece for him, even though he's still trying to learn the language. It's not like he can come in and, and cut a Ric Flair promo. What can you tell us about Shinja? Well, he's just Kiyo Sato from Kansas city and, and Sato had been uh, a mainstay in Kansas city. And I believe he had worked for all Japan looking for, looking for a job. And he, he was a liaison to the Japanese offices in the States. And he was the perfect guy because we were going to be using Sato is one of our liaisons to, you know, our entry into Japan as well during this time. So he could do double duty. What is a Shinja? I guess is what I'm driving to. It's goddamn manager of Hakushi. 
Fuck what Shinji. You, you just asked me what Shinji was. So you goddamn manager of Hakushi. You don't know how many different fucking versions of of Hakushi you could get to uh, with different people. Uh, Hakushi. Yeah, Hakushi. Yeah. Just depends. Oh, we got a quick testimonial I need to read here. Finding out about Lightstream couldn't have come at a better time. I've been trying to consolidate my debt for a few months now, but I felt like I'd reached a dead end. I was listening to my podcast one morning and heard their ad. Everything that was said sounded too good to be true, but at that point I had nothing to lose. Ultimately, it was true. It was so easy, quick, and convenient. I wish I would have found out about Lightstream sooner. I 1000% recommend to everyone. Are you tired of credit card bills with high interest rates? Ready to pay off your credit card balances and start saving money? Well, get a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream and you could save thousands in interest. Get a rate as low as 5.95% APR with AutoPay and excellent credit. And by the way, that's lower than the average credit card interest rate here in America of more than 19% APR. By the way, the rate is fixed, so it'll never go up over the life of the loan. Plus, there are absolutely no fees. And check this out. The application is quick and easy. It's 100% online. In fact, you can even get your money in your bank account as soon as the day you apply. Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a better loan experience, and that's exactly what they deliver. Apply today to get a special interest rate discount and save even more. Now, the only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash wrestle. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com slash wrestle. That's lightstream.com slash wrestle. Of course, this is subject to credit approval. Rate includes a half a percent auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash wrestle for more information. Well, it's fun for Sato. I mean, he had like a on again, off again relationship with you guys during this era. Uh, but when he pops up here in late 94 with Hakushi, uh, a lot of people are excited about what this might be, but as we know, he's, uh, He's not long for this world. His last TV appearance is in July of 95. So not too much longer after this show, uh, let's sort of set the stage for this match. Uh, after Brett wins the WF magazine award for award of the people on February 20, uh, February 20th, easy for me to say, uh, that's an episode of raw where Jerry Lawler would suggest that Japanese votes had been excluded and that makes Hart a racist and Lawler then convinced Takushi that Hart was a racist and on the March 25th episode of superstars, Hakushi would attack Brett after he received a separate award from the Japanese media. So we've got a little bit of separatism already. And then on the April 23rd edition of wrestling challenge, we finally get our match between uh, Brett and Hakushi set for this show at in your house. And on that same day on action zone, Brett would team with razor Ramon to take on intercontinental champion, Jeff Jarrett, who's tagging with Hakushi. In the match, of course, Brett and uh, Razor win with Ramon getting a pin over Jeff Jarrett. And then on the May 1st Raw, Brett would offer to face Lawler at In Your House after his scheduled match with Akushi. And Brett dedicated his match with Lawler at In Your House to his mother because the show was happening on Mother's Day. So I guess Brett, while he doesn't mind working with Akushi and appreciates his wrestling talent, as you said, and he likes the guy, he just doesn't feel like there's enough pizzazz on this match and, and wants to take on Lawler as well. Yeah, it just was, we kind of had the old double 
you got two programs going on and we didn't have Jerry that was working live events and Hakushi could be a live event opponent. Um, it just was weird times. It is a weird time. Cause you got double duty on a fucking two hour show. Yeah. Uh, let's get to the match. Uh, but before we do, it's a pre-match interview where Brett says that Hakushi is undefeated, which is kind of fun. Uh, the fans start chanting USA, which is always great when you've got a Canadian wrestler and a Japanese guy. Uh, Meltzer would say Hakushi is one of the more talented wrestlers in the country, but his talents are miscast in the heel role and he has no serious heat. Even when matched with the most popular wrestler in the company, uh, Shinja tried to make up for the fact that Hakushi should be a face, but Shinja just lacks charisma. Nevertheless, the work was damn good. And this match easily stole the show. Um, lots of interesting stuff, including a, a mood, a handspring elbow. Lots of spectacular stuff. They get plenty of time too, especially on a short show, 14 minutes and 39 seconds, three and a quarter stars. Of course, you know what happens. Uh, Brett wins. He suplexes, uh, Hakushi over the top rope. Both go over as Hart tries to get back in. Shin just holding his angle, his ankle. This gives Hakushi the opening to do the acai moonsault. And when Brett gets back in the ring, Hakushi tries for a German suplex, but Brett reverses it into a forward cradle for the pin. Uh, so there you go. And after the match, as Hart jumps off the apron, he acts as if he's injured his knee. Uh, so that sort of sets the stage for, yes, Brett escaped with a win, but he's worse for the wear for Jerry Lawler later on. You saw this match for the first time since it happened 25 years later. What'd you think of uh, Hakushi and Bret Hart in the opener here? It was as good as I remember. And I thought it was excellent. Um, it just took the best of both guys and Brett was able to shine him. And of course, look good in the process, but, uh, tremendous match. I thought it was a tremendous match. And to me, it was a great showcase for Hakushi to be put in with Brett and show that he could be with the top guy work. Would I have done a little bit more and done something differently? Probably to try and extend it some more, but, um, overall the match, and what have you was excellent. Excellent. After a, a pay-per-view debut like this with a top guy, it's a good outing. Is Vince on fire for his new latest toy here in Hakushi? I mean, this feels like when this is over, even though he lost, Hey man, we might be onto something. Not really. I, I just think that, you know, Vince was really looking for a bigger guy, a bigger guy in size. He was doomed from the start, essentially. Well, he's necessarily doomed. It just was, you have in your head a picture of something and what you think something's going to be. And you get there and it's like, it's not quite there. And he just, I think was expecting something else, man. Have you ever, uh, had like a lid on a drink or something and you take a sip and you're expecting it to be one thing. And it's actually another, like maybe you went through the drive through or something and you oh thought, yeah. You thought you were, you had ordered this, but then you take a sip and it's way different. You think you got diet Coke and they gave you a, a unsweet tea. tea and that feels like, wait a minute, what the hell? And then here's the thing, the sweet tea, the unsweet tea on its own may have been great if that's what your expectation was. But once you have that sip, that's the world's worst drink. Now, even though it's really not, you just sort of had your heart set on something else. And that feels like what happened here with Hakushi. That's a good way to explain it. 
Uh, the next match is Razor Ramon versus Jeff Jarrett in the roadie in a handicap match. Let me get you the backstory here. They faced each other, Ramon and Jarrett at WrestleMania 11, but Jarrett's DQ'd. And then on April 8th on Superstars, Jarrett would face Aldo Montoya in a non-title match where Jarrett accidentally pinned himself. And then Jarrett was initially announced uh, the winner, but then later Montoya was declared the winner. And Jarrett and Montoya would face each other again two weeks later on Superstars. And during the match, Razor comes to ringside and chases the roadie backstage. Despite this, Jarrett picks up the win, making Montoya tap out to his figure four. The next day on Wrestling Challenge, Ramon and the one, two, three kid were scheduled to square off against Jarrett and Rhodey and in your house. But then after the one, two, three kid breaks his neck, they just changed this into a handicap match. It's worth mentioning that Savio Vega is new to the WWF at this time. Um, and he actually tried out way back when, uh, in like 1986, but for whatever reason, it didn't work out. Now it is. He's made a name for himself in Puerto Rico as TNT and. He's brought back here as your favorite and mine, Quang. You used to call him Quang. I did it just for you because I thought you were going to call him Quang. Uh, either way, though, he turns into Savio Vega eventually. I'm just mentioning that because it's going to matter in a moment. Uh, so here we go. These guys, uh, Razor Ramon, Jeff Jarrett, and the roadie in this handicap match, they get plenty of time, 12 minutes and 40 seconds. And at the start of the match, they do something kind of cool, especially for the time. They have a live telephone interview with one, two, three kid from home. And they're doing this because again, this was supposed to be a tag match, but he's broken his freaking neck. Uh, what'd you think of the match? And what'd you think of the, uh, the live telephone call between Vince and the one, two, three kid at home? Well, it's just a different way to tell the story. And God damn, that was revolutionary during those yeah. times to be able to bring guys in and comment live and not have it skip like we do on Skype now. But I thought the match was good. I don't think it was as good as Brett and Hakushi. I uh, kind of felt like a little off. But to me, the, the guy steals the show was Road Dog uh, doing that roadie gimmick. And it was early on enough where we just did so much goofy shit. And watching Brian work was, to me, just very entertaining. And that was a highlight for me going back and watching that that roadie gimmick and what it turned into later on. I got to tell you, he stole the show. We watched it back. I had a house full, uh, when I decided to watch it late one night and, uh, everybody in the room was fascinated with who road dog would later become the roadie character though. Just, uh, he stole the show. It's worth watching. We should mention that, uh, you know, what's coming razor Ramon hits the razor's edge on Jeff Jarrett picks up the pinfall. And after the match, he has a uh, roadie up for the edge, but Jarrett clips him and then puts on the figure four. Aldo Montoya tries to make the save, but he's quickly disposed of, uh, Jarrett goes back for the figure four. And, uh, then they bring out, uh, a run in, which looks like a quote unquote fan who's going to clean house. And they even have police come in to give the indication that this wasn't part of the show. But later in an interview, Ramon would call the guy Savio. So this is the debut of Savio Vega here. Pretty cool way since you've already got it it's sort of naturally built in that this was supposed to be a tag match. One, two, three kid can't do it. So now they've got the advantage on him and he needs a friend. Well, who better than Savio Vega? Excellent way to debut him here. 
Yeah, and you know, we had uh, Savio there that trying to come up with something for Savio and trying to come up with something for him to do. Uh, right time, right place, and right situation to take the mask off it off of him from the whole Quang gimmick and let him be this Puerto Rican superstar that that he truly was and try to get that character out of him. So it was introducing with Razor and let nature take its course. Oh, hey, real quick, I wanted to tell you what Matthew in Pennsylvania wrote. I had a great experience at SaveWithConrad.com. I worked with Derek and he quickly answered any questions I had. Being able to text him directly made things so much easier than having to wait on phone calls or schedule meetings at the bank. Being able to do everything from home was extremely convenient. I was in a tough spot with the pandemic going on, but it looks like everything is going to work out for me just in time. I would definitely recommend Conrad and his team to anyone looking for mortgage help. How can we help you? You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket, but you do need 10 minutes at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. We're licensed in more than 40 states, and you even get to skip your next two house payments at savewithconrad.com. Do you prefer Savio Vega or Kwong? God damn it. It was TNT long before it was Kwong, Quang, and, uh, we, he was El Casario in the Mid-South. So there. Fuckers and I remember he was El Casario. He came in and he shaved his head. And everybody used to give him a hard time saying, ooh, we're telling Carlos you shaved your head. Because um, he wore a mask and wore the karate pants and all that stuff. So it was... Uh, He's had many different names. I think Savio Vega has been the best one for him. We go backstage and we see Jerry Lawler yelling at Jack Tunney, demanding to have his match occur next because he knows that Brett's hurt, but Jack Tunney won't let that happen. Uh, the next match is the first qualifying match we see for the 1995 King of the Ring tournament. Here's one of your favorites. It's Mabel versus Adam bomb. Uh, the backstory here is on the March 12th action zone, men on a mission lost the tag team title match, to the smoking guns. And after the match, men on a mission attacked the guns. And then on the March 26th wrestling challenge, men on a mission defeated Ken Raper and Gary Sabo in a squash match. After the match, MOM apologized for their attack on the guns and then invite them to shake their hands. The guns come out, but of course, MOM attacked the guns and then beat up their manager, Oscar officially turning them heels. And we don't see Oscar again after this. Well, you and I would. Uh, what can you tell us about uh, <laughs> kicking <laughs> kick Oscar out of uh, Men on a Mission here? Well, look, you're not going to boo a, a fun, loving, great rapper like Oscar by God. And Men on a Mission or Mom is like M O M. God damn it. Men on a Mission. They're men, on they're a on mission. a mission. So really, I guess they'd be Mom. Yeah, I was wondering if you were going to go to Mom. Mom should be a shirt over at BrucePritchard.com. Uh, maybe it should be Mom. Men on a mission or males. Maybe maybe it should be Ma'am. M-A-M. Because Oscar's not there anymore. He's the O. Yeah. What's your favorite? Well, no, no, that's not right. Mabel and Mo. M-A-M. Yeah, but they were men on a mission. 
I was joking about dropping Oscar because they dropped him here in storyline. And then he, but what if he was uh, MBM? Was was Oscar tore up <laughs> when y'all wrote him out? Was he what? Was he tore up about being written off TV and 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 his wrestling run coming to? I an think end he too? was a little confused. Yeah, just kind of wanted to continue, but we were actually looking for other things for him to do and utilize his talents as a rapper and musical tidbits. Tell Look, every- Oscar's a damn talented guy. Tell everybody again how Oscar wound up getting a gig with the company. Well, we were in Las Vegas at Caesar's Palace, and it was right after Vince and uh, Randy Savage had thrown me into the fountains in front of Caesar's Palace. We were making our way through the casino, uh, trying to get up to the room so that I could change clothes and take a quick shower before we flew back east. And this guy comes running up to us, and we're surrounded by security and trying to get through the casino and people are going nuts because they see brother love, you know, that's it. Oh yeah. Randy Savage was there too. Um, and this guy just starts cutting a rap on us and a very good rap about the macho man and Vince McMahon and Oh my God, there's brother love type shit. And he cuts this rap all the way to the elevators and Vince is laughing his ass off. And as we're getting in the elevator, he says, and Vince goes, God damn, that's damn good. And he says, well, then it's good enough for a couple tickets to WrestleMania. And Vince said, call my office. No shit, man. We're back at the office and we were having a meeting and Vince's assistant comes in and says, there's a guy on the phone that says he met you in Las Vegas and you told him to call the office. He said he sang a song for you or sang a rap for you. And she said a song. Um, it's like, oh yeah, fuck, put him through. That's so fucking takes the call and starts talking to him. And he goes on about, you know, the different places that he's appeared and he had rapped on stage with Frank Sinatra. He had done all these really crazy things. And Vince says, yeah, you know what? You got your two tickets, but I want to do something with you. And he goes, let me think about it. Threw it out to us. And, um, as, as they say, you know, timing's everything. Uh, Jerry Lawler, we had TV in Lowell, Massachusetts, and we brought these guys in for a tryout. And Lawler talked about how there was one guy that literally couldn't fit through the doorway. And that was Mabel. And they were there and just one look at them, uh, the size. They had charisma. They were the shits, but they had charisma. Um, so lo and behold, men on a mission were born. Mo, Oscar, and Mabel. M-O-M, mom. <laughs> well, here we go. I mean, you know, people ask all the time, well, fuck, man, can I, you know, I, I'll study. I'm going to go to wrestling school, which JPWA, uh, Jacobs Pritchard Wrestling Academy in Knoxville, Tennessee. <laughs> There's a nice backhanded plug. Uh, is the best one to go to. But if you're looking for places, you know, the way to get in, just, you know, you hang out and cut a wrap. And next thing you know, you're starring on television. Yes, you are. So there's going to be lots of people trying to interrupt you and rap for you now. I hope you realize what you've just done. 
Uh, Mabel and Adam Baum uh, square off here in a one minute and 53 second match for a King of the Ring qualifier. Mabel picks up the win after a power slam. Uh, this is Adam Baum's last pay per view match. If you're keeping score at home, his pay per view record is zero and six. He was 0 and 2 at the Royal Rumble, 0 and 1 at WrestleMania, 0 and 2 at Survivor Series, and uh, 0 and 1 here. He's out come August. Why didn't Adam Baum hit? Adam Baum is another perfect example of not having it. There's something missing. Uh, the look, got it. Um, had some charisma. But. It was not a bad worker, but just was missing it. Missed that connection with the audience. He used to throw out the little footballs that looked like atom bombs. And the crowd would go wild. And then that bell would ring and, <coughs> oh, God, uh, all bets were off. He just was missing it. It's, it's not something you can put your finger on. But. He never, he never connected with the audience. All right, Bruce, we need to run a timeout right now and tell everybody about our favorite thing to talk about on this show, which you've already established men's penises. But this time we're not going to talk about hashtag Rick Rude's dong. We're going to talk about your dong. You see, this episode is sponsored by blue chew. Remember when you were always ready to go? I know Bruce does. He was at Heartbreakers every chance he could get. And he's the reason they don't have tablecloths there anymore. But that's a story for another day. Now you can increase your performance and get the extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue on SmackDown tonight. And BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as both Viagra and Cialis. But because they're chewable, you can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full or empty stomach. And because it's chewable and not a pill, it can work up to twice as fast. So if you could benefit from more confidence where it counts, if you're looking to put on a five-star performance, well, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. We should remind you, Blue Chew is prescribed online by physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor's office or wait in line at a pharmacy. And it ships right to your door, all in a discreet package. Now, it's made in the USA, and because Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. And best of all, no more awkwardness. And right now we've got a special deal for our listeners. Just visit bluechew.com and you get your first shipment for free when you use our promo code wrestle. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B L U E C H E W.com. The promo code is wrestle and you get to try it for free. Bluechew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. And Bruce, we made it through that entire thing without talking about anybody else's penis. Do you think Batista? has any answers to our questions about blue chew get your dick hard yeah do it right now bluechew.com use that promo code wrestle to try it for free just pay five dollars shipping when's the last time you talked to brian god i haven't seen brian in years i think he got uh in a little bit of legal trouble What's the felony charges for like drug possession oh. and selling and narcotics and possessing a weapon and lots of conspiracy stuff. Oh around. shit. So I uh, hope whatever he's into is okay. And he's all right. Of course we know Mabel's no longer with us. It's uh, it's just sad watching some of these old ones and knowing that not everybody had a happy end of their story. Back Very to- sad. 
backstage, Razor Ramon introduces Savio Vega from the Caribbean. Uh, he says he was just in attendance. It sounds better coming from the Caribbean than Puerto Rico, doesn't it? Well, my favorite, actually, Shuley, uh, from the Stern show, his, uh, favorite moment. <laughs> I know where you're going. Fuck you, Conrad. <laughs> Once upon a time, we were talking about a Caribbean strap match and go ahead and ask me, Hey, um, where was the Caribbean strap match invented? Caribbean. That is Shuley's first or second favorite thing we've ever done on the show. Um, the next match is a rematch from WrestleMania 11 for the tag titles. Owen Hart and Yoko Zuna. Yoko, of course, was the surprise mystery uh, tag team partner for Owen Hart. Here, they're going to be defending their belts against the former champions, the Smoking Guns. Uh, they get uh, not a ton of time, five minutes and 44 seconds. Meltzer would say it was fast paced, but way too short. He says Yoko Zuna ran into the ring post, knock him out on the floor. They do a few double team moves for near falls on Hart until Bart misses a tackle and goes to the floor. And then Yokozuna leg drops him on the floor and throws him in. So Owen can pin him It's somewhere in there. Billy punched Jim Cornette, two stars. So a nice little TV style match here. What'd you think? Nice little match. And you know, it was to me during this time was where you started going, oh, fuck Yoko. Um, you could see him struggling to move and you could see him just kind of not, not being there all the way due to his weight and he was getting bigger. And, and I just, in watching it brought back memories of, of those moments that when you look back, you can see where the guy starts to slip. And unfortunately th this was that point. Yeah. You watch a match from Yokozuna two years prior to this. And then this one, and this is a different performer. Yes. And you watch one two years prior to that, and you go, holy fuck, look at the athleticism of this big bastard. Before the next match, Diesel does an interview talking about this being uh, his first Mother's Day without a, without a mother. And he's uh, referencing his real life here. His mom had passed away the, uh, the prior December. Uh, and then it's time for Bret Hart to wrestle for the second time. They don't have to have a ton of time to tell this story. Five minutes and nine seconds. Uh, of course, Jerry Lawler picks up a win with a pinfall and, uh, Lawler had said on TV, he was bringing his mother to ringside. He'd been teasing this on TV, building this, oh, it's mother's day and I'm bringing my mom. And of course, for years, he's made fun of Bret Hart's mom, but here he brings his mom. who just happens to be a smoking hot young model. Actually, that was the, the mother of his girlfriend. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, of course he thinks that Brad Hart is injured because he's been selling the knee when he reveals eventually in the middle of this match, that it was all just a ruse and that Brett can walk perfectly fine. Shinja comes down to ringside. The ref gets his foot tangled in the ropes, hanging upside down. So Hakushi does a run in comes off the top rope three times on Brett before the ref finally recovers and counts the fall. After the match, Lawler holds Brett and Hakushi charges towards him, but wouldn't you know it, Brett ducks and Hakushi winds up decking Lawler. Brett then runs off Hakushi and he gets a few blows in on Shinja. It gets a star and a half cute sort of old school Southern style match, but we're reminding everybody, Hey, this Shinja Brett Hart thing, or this uh, Hakushi Brett Hart thing, this is far from over. Damn right. It is. 
Now you better not forget it, by God, because yeah, they're gonna get I think one more. <laughs> At the time, you guys thought, well, let's just see what happens, and then as we yes. know, fucking two a month or two later, see ya. Uh, here's the really interesting thing. That's fun to go back and watch these guys. Most people listening to this, remember the, in your house set, but it's even a larger, more expanded set where it literally looks like the front of a house, not just the front door, but windows and all that. But there's this giant tub. I mean, it's huge. It looks like uh, those people who have like uh, indoor lap pools, you know, where they can swim year round against the current or whatever. And it's filled with mail. Before the main event, Todd Pettengill and Stephanie come down and do the, what well, Stephanie's last name is Wyand. Is that right? Stephanie Wyand. Yes. So I, I wanted to say it's not Stephanie McMahon, but two on air characters here for WWE are doing the deal where they're giving away a house in Orlando, actually watching the broadcast. And anytime you do things like this, and we've seen Vince try this a few times in different versions and contests, it doesn't always go swimmingly well, but. It happens here. A guy in Henderson, Nevada is actually watching the show and wins. What was probably what? $125,000, $150,000 house just yeah. for watching the show. Exactly. Meltzer would say and Jerry, the funny part about it was, was Jerry Briscoe. When we talked about, why don't we give away a house? Vince called Briscoe and said, Hey, we're giving away a house. I need you to go to, we should give away one in a nice place like Orlando or something. That's a destination. People could use it vacation. Um, so go get, get one with a pool and just get us a nice house today. All right, go. And Jerry called back later on that day and said, Hey, I've got a house sent. He said, great. Buy it. (laughs) House. And we had a house to give away. We sent the crew down there to shoot it and got that fucker on TV. Just when, amazing. When, when Briscoe, I mean, is this the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard in your life? Like, Hey, got an idea. We're going to give away a house. Just go get one today. Yeah. That shit happens all the time. <laughs> Only in Vince McMahon's world. But I mean, it is an interesting idea, you know, I mean, the idea is you guys are collecting addresses where you're going to turn around and sell and send them WWF merchandise and catalogs and flyers about, you know, toys and pay-per-views and all that. And you're going to encourage people, Hey, and you want to be sure to order the pay-per-view to see if you win the house. Uh, and by the way, Meltzer would say this segment, the only thing not staged on the show was probably the best part of the entire show. Well, except the opener. Just a note from someone with experience in in-house giveaways, though in the vast majority of cases where these houses are given away, the new owner winds up selling the given house away within six months because of the tax bill, because there will usually be some taxes associated with getting a gift like this, but whatever you're getting a huge windfall here. Um, is this one of the crazier ideas Vince ever had or crazy like a Fox? Oh, it was a great idea. Yeah. And again, it's, it's like giving away a million dollars and it just was so happenstance when you're talking about giving away a house, giving away a million dollars. He goes, Hmm. He goes, well, shit, since Republicans going to have to fucking be my money. And <laughs> he goes, ah, fuck it. I'll give away a million dollars. And the absurdity of it all, go buy a house. And, 
by the afternoon, you have a house. Right. And three weeks later, you give that house away to a 14 year old kid or whatever he was. Yeah. It is a kid. And his dad, of course, assumes it and wins it. But yeah, I mean, a, a little fucking kid in Anderson, Nevada, sixth grader wins a fucking house. All right, Bruce, let's take a time out right now. You know, we're, we're going to spend a lot of time today talking about, um, eating and unhealthy eating and we should talk about healthy food for a minute here. And you've got, you've got something you feel really passionate about that you want to share with everybody. Well, absolutely. Because it's not just us humans, people that need to eat high quality, healthy food. What about your pets? What about your dogs? What about your cats? I have three dogs and I love my dogs. Well, more than I love most people and my wife loves them more than she loves me not hard to do but she wants to make sure that they're eating the best food that they possibly can and solid gold is a place it's it's got a nutritional platform that's inspired by their founding belief that high quality food is the best way to impact our pet's mind body and spirit and it really is and you know what your pets are going to like it better. Over 45 years, Solid Gold has revolutionized the holistic pet food category, and they have a recipe for any dog or cat's dietary needs, including whole grain and grain-free options, wet foods, supplements like seal meal, and 100% human grain grade bone broth for dogs. Now, my dogs love the bone broth. Absolutely love it. You can't, instead of putting you know, water in your dog's food to make it nice and gravy-like? No. When you go with this bone broth, it is a whole new experience, and your animals are going to love you for it. Right now, Solid Gold is offering our listeners 30% off your first order by visiting solidgoldpet.com slash wrestle. That's solidgoldpet.com slash wrestle for 30% off your first order solidgoldpet.com slash wrestle solid gold foods are different because they cleanse the digestive system with whole superfoods they balance with living probiotics and fuel with omega-3 and 6 fatty acids supporting gut health and nourishing your pet inside and out dodger loves it wally loves it even rowdy loves it my dogs love it your pets are going to love it too solidgoldpet.com slash wrestle when's the fucking house only in America. Only in the anything can happen here in the World Wrestling Federation. Uh, years later, the company would follow up with the kid to find out what happened to the house. Uh, it turns out, yes, uh, they did wind up selling the house like six months later. The family apparently had just moved from New York to Nevada. They didn't want to move again. Uh, the sale of the house, which I think netted the family like over 175 grand. Uh, effectively paid for the kids college. So, uh, if you're a youngster listening to this, you need better parents, uh, but let them know if they ever try to get onto you for watching wrestling. Hey, one day this shit might pay off. We could win a house dad, or you can at least refile one or buy one for no money down with your new pal, Conrad Thompson. The next match is your main events for the world title. Diesel is your world champion. He's defending against Sid. As a reminder, at WrestleMania 11, Diesel retained over Shawn Michaels. But the following night, when Shawn is looking for uh, a potential rematch, he's trying to give Sid the night off. Sid attacks Shawn Michaels, powerbombing him three times, 
eventually diesel comes out to help Shawn Michaels and you guys turn Shawn babyface. Um, and then along the way here, we are on a collision course. There's a match with diesel and bam, bam, Bigelow for the title over the weekend of April 16th, the match between Sid and diesel are scheduled for in your house. And Sid is now potentially facing diesel for the WWF title, depending on whether or not diesel can retain against Bigelow. So on the April 24th show, he says he's unhappy about the situation, meaning if Bigelow wins, Sid does not get the title shot. Of course, diesel retains when the corporation turns on Bigelow with Tataka tripping Bigelow as he runs the ropes, diesel hits Bigelow with a big foot and then the jackknife. And that's the end. After the match, Bigelow is insulted by Ted DiBiase and attacks the corporation. Diesel, who'd gone back to the locker room, comes back out to help Bigelow. And now Bigelow's a babyface. So we've got lots of sort of moving chairs on our way here. Um, we should mention that DiBiase is eventually going to reveal that he and Sid have been working together this entire time, admitting that it was him who told Shawn Michaels to get a bodyguard in the first place. So it turns out everybody really does have a price for the million dollar man. Unfortunately, he can't save the main event here. 11 minutes and 29 seconds. Meltzer would say it was a clumsy, predictable match. He gave it three quarters of a star. And oh, by the way, Diesel retains because of a DQ. Tatanka interferes. Bam Bam comes out to make the save. It's just sort of a blah way to end the pay-per-view to me. You watched it this time for the first time in 25 years. What'd you think? Blah's a word. It was, it was clumsy. This is a good way to, to describe it. And it just felt like looks great on paper, by the way but it just was oil and water and they didn't mix, especially when you look at it. Sid may have been the better charismatic babyface, and diesel might've been the better heel. The roles were reversed and it just felt clumsy. It, it was not, it was not a good match and it didn't, uh, didn't gel well to say the very least. I mean, I think both of these guys probably need a guy like Shawn Michaels to fly around and make them look like monsters. Right. And so exactly. on paper, you know, one monster versus another probably sounds awesome, but then you get out there and execution, you're like, man, I need them to be throwing somebody around and that's not really possible here. Yeah, exactly. We should mention there's four dark matches at the live show. So even though the pay-per-view goes off the air, the fans in the arena Still get to see some other matches before the show started. We had, uh, uh, Jean-Pierre Lafitte, who we know as PCO now pin Bob Holly. And then after the main event, we got Bigelow beating Tatanka undertaker beating comma and Davey boy going to a draw with Owen Hart. So there is a, a lot of meat on the bone here. Uh, if you're a, an old school WWF fan, uh, diesel and Sid do wind up having a rematch at in your house too. I'm sure we'll cover that sometime soon. But you watched it back for the first time in a long time. What would you give it? Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. Uh, you know what? I give it thumbs up just because it was the first one. <laughs> and it had been. I hadn't seen it since we did it. So from that vantage point, it was nostalgic and kind of fun for me. 
It was. Um, it got 44.8% thumbs up, 38.5% thumbs down, 16.8% thumbs in the middle. I really enjoyed it watching it back, and I think a lot of it is just the nostalgia, like you said. Uh, according to the Wrestling Observer Reader Poll, the best match, no surprise, Bret Hart and Hakushi comes in first place. Worst match, no surprise, Diesel and Sid. This was fun, man. Um, there's going to be a lot of in-your-house shows to come. Where would you rank this one overall? I got to say, and I know you're going to laugh at this. To me, this is going to wind up being near the top just because you gave away a house. And whenever I think of this in-your-house concept, I never forget the idea that you guys gave away a fucking house. And then you get going on the thing. Rody is a, a serious bright spot. The debut of Savio Vega. Uh, the last time we see Adam Bomb. The Hakushi thing and with Brett was phenomenal. I thought there was a lot of really cool stuff that happened on this show, especially considering it's just a two hour episode. I would say it was definitely the first one. Yeah. I think out of all the shows they did, this was the first one. I would have to agree. Yes, sir. You motherfucker. What? Nothing. It's just funny to me that you started off this show a little cantankerous. You started to get into it a little more and now I'm still end, cantankerous. Damn it. You are, we should mention, um, October of 95, I think is when Sean has his incident in Syracuse, not here. Right. Thank God. Yes, exactly. I, Cause that, that was, that was during the time, you know, with the, the, uh, Shane was in Dean Douglas, Shane Douglas, not Shane McMahon. Um, so yeah, it was. It had to be October, right? October, September. Yeah, it was, it was in the fall. I'm just saying, I know it wasn't this era. The reason I know a lot of our listeners are probably thinking, well, no, if he's not on this, it's because he was beat up here. No, he took all those power bombs from Sid and took a little bit of a break. Uh, but, but he'll be back. Let's, uh, let's get to Twitter. We, it feels like a month ago we posted and said, Hey, uh, we're going to be covering this show. You guys have any questions for Bruce? We got tons of questions. No way we can get to them all. Uh, let's just handle a few here. Rapid fire. Uh, Drew Landry wants to know, would the Hakushi Brett Hart had more heat if fans thought Hakushi stole Brett's jacket? Goddamn right it would. Nearly every question we have is about Hakushi. Luke from Eastern Iowa wants to know, Hakushi always seemed like a low-key interesting dude. Do you have any interesting or amusing Hakushi stories you can share with us? I do, actually. And... The Undertaker and I had gone to Japan for Michinoku Pro, and the match that they had Undertaker in was against Hakushi. And Hakushi had cult-like status in Japan for Michinoku Pro, and his character was revered in that promotion, much as Undertaker's is all over the world. So Hakushi had come up with this idea the last time that he had, had been in the Hakushi stuff, basically... Um, he was sent away and, and they buried him. So he wanted to have a resurrection in the match against undertaker. They brought him out in a casket held overhead. And this, this is online somewhere. I've seen it. Um, but they bring him out over their head and they dump him out of this casket onto the ground in the, in the ring. And he's all dirty, like they dug him up. And so he's covered in dirt and shit, like all over as if he was in, in the dirt, in the ground. 
and he lays there dead until The Undertaker comes out. And I actually managed Undertaker for that match in Japan. And then he came to and they had their match. But the, the best part was we were in Sumo Hall and Undertaker and I, we had our, uh, we had a private dressing room that was the size of like a basketball court. <laughs> it was huge. And uh, they had like sheets draped up everywhere. It was just very odd, but it was, it was pretty cool. The, I'm a sumo guy too, and I enjoy that tradition. So they have to sneak their kayfabe dressing rooms. They're, they're separate. The heels and baby faces are, are always separated. But they had snuck Hakushi over to our dressing room. And at some point, they had gotten us over to say hello to Sasuke and you know do that bullshit. But uh, Hakushi had come over and he had, he comes over and hello and you know, they're good to see you, good to see you, everybody and everything. And Hakushi's, I have, okay, I write down. And he takes out like five pieces of paper, handwritten. It's all Japanese characters, so I have no idea what the hell it says. But he starts going over a match with Undertaker. And Mark is just looking at him. And he says, oh, he goes, Hakushi, come to, come to the States. Young boy. Now you big star. And he kind of giggles nervously. He's like, you know, not really knowing where Taker's going. He goes, he goes, tell you what. He goes, I'll see you in the ring. <laughs> okay. He goes, we'll call it out there. Because you and I are good. And he looks at his five sheets of paper and he's just kind of dumbfounded. And he goes, okay, thank you. See you ring. Walked out. They called it in the ring, man. It was all good. What'd you think of the in your house set? Lots of questions are about, you know, how much people miss the old sets and the set designs. This one is obviously a little more low key than some of the more elaborate stuff you would do during the attitude era, but still it's kind of fun. What'd you think of it? Yeah, I thought it, I thought it was cool because it, it pretty much in a set told you what the event was in your house. So when we came to the ring, we were coming out of your house. That's what, you know what? It should have been out of your house. Well, I think they're coming out of your house. I think the idea is that you watch it in your house though. You see, but I was there. So I didn't, which one were you talking about? Never mind. Okay. Well, listen, we got tons of, uh, of questions, uh, usually about Hakushi or, uh, about the set, uh, and lots of questions about, you know, Hey, what happened to the house now? Well, we don't know. We assume that normal human beings are living in the house. Um, but there's a question here. You and I've never really discussed that. I do want to bring up. Mr. William wants to know who owns the rights to the pre-show free for all. And why is it not on the network? And we've gotten that a few times, uh, for different shows that we've covered the free for all, by the way, back before everyone had DVR, the only way you, and on screen channel guides, the only way you knew what was coming on TV is if you had that day's newspaper or you picked up a TV guide. And then there was a station that made their living just telling you what's on all these different stations, but there would be a little screen in the corner that would show like pay-per-view previews and Hey, don't forget. So they're driving revenue for the cable system. 
And they would sometimes show what was called a free for all. So there'd be a 30 minute sort of pre-show. Usually there'd be a match, maybe two, but the rest of it is packages and interviews trying to sell the pay-per-view. But all these years later, that stuff's not on the network. Do you think the cable systems on that? Or do you think you guys own it? And we just haven't gotten around to it. I, who would, I, I don't know that anybody would really want to watch a 30 minute shield show talking about what's going to come up next. Well, here's the thing. You've got some pretty monumental matches like SummerSlam 96. You had Yoko Zuna. He's wrestling Steve Austin. The top rope breaks. He falls. Austin pins him. And that's also where you had like the bikini blast off thing or whatever. Uh, Sonny was as roll tide as roll tide gets in that episode. I'd be very interested in that free for all from SummerSlam 96. If you can put your hands on it. Yeah, I'm sure it exists somewhere. I just don't know that maybe there, maybe it is. Maybe that's something that we could put out that, uh, to me, I, I wouldn't want to watch it, but again, there's probably people out there that would. Lots of questions like this one from Charlie thrower. What's Sid up to these days? I haven't seen or heard from Sid. Um, have you run across Sid in more recent years? Do you have any idea what he's up to these days? I have absolutely no idea what, uh, Sid is up to these days. I think the rumor in innuendo is, uh, I thought he was booked to come back to some sort of reunion show for y'all. And then just no showed in the, uh, maybe since you've been back, have you heard of that? Or is that just rumor in innuendo? Uh, I don't know that one. I don't know. Well, listen, this was fun. I appreciated us sort of getting back in our way back machine and, and talking a little bit about uh, the forgotten era of 1995. Uh, is there anything else you think we should cover about this show or, or have we said it all? I think we said it all. And this was by God, the first in your house, numero uno. Yeah. And it was fun to go back and visit it. And I'm glad we were able to make it happen. And we apologize. It's late, but if you've been listening to the shows we've done since, you know, that Bruce's schedule has been uh, a little chaotic to say the least, but if we uh, promote it, we're going to do our damnedest to bring it to you. So better late than never. Hope you check us out over at adfreeshows.com. You would have gotten this show early and ad free. Had you checked us out over there and there's tons of bonus content, including most recently, uh, Bruce and I watched an episode of Saturday night's main event from 1990. It's a fun little piece of watch along action that you can only get at adfreeshows.com, including a bonus episode about one of our more requested topics. Uh, WrestleMania eight. No, Bruce wasn't there, but he had particular insights that you guys wanted to hear. And that's available for you now at adfreeshows.com. Pick up a shirt over at brucepritchard.com and save yourself some money and save with conrad.com. We'll be back next week. He is at Bruce Pritchard. I am a, Hey, Hey, it's Conrad. And we are out of time. We'll see you next week right here on something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Shaka Khan. I've been telling you for a long time that save with conrad.com can save you money. But don't take my word for it. What made you come to say with Conrad? I've refinanced with Conrad before, about three years ago, and then the mortgage company sent me a letter wanting to refinance me again. And I, so I reached out to Conrad and asked him about it. And he said, "No, no, we can do you a much better job than that." That I wouldn't even consider listening to anybody else without talking to Conrad first. So, um, how was it working with the team this go around? Oh, they were great. He told me exactly right up front what he needed. Made it real easy for me to uh, upload my forms, sign off on my papers. He kept uh, he kept in contact with me the whole time. For someone that was so far away from me in a different part of the country, I couldn't have got better service if he'd been right next door to me. Very cool.
How much money was Save with Conrad able to save you? One hundred thousand eight hundred dollars. Wow. Man, I think, um, my, my rate my rate went down over over two percent. We we saved eight years off of my loan, and I did the math on that. That ninety six months are going to save me a um, hundred thousand eight hundred dollars. What would you tell all the podcast listeners about Save with Conrad? Don't be scared to ask. The worst thing that can happen is that he can't help you, and he wouldn't jerk you around and he tell you right up front that he couldn't help you. Uh, the first time he helped me out was rebuilding credit. The second time he helped me, I had excellent credit. So take the time. It doesn't take 10, 15 minutes to, to apply. Uh, uh, he'll answer your question. He doesn't make you feel like an idiot when you ask the question. He really enjoys educating you on how to save, how to save. He wants you to save money. Um, he wants you to have a better life. So what are you waiting for? Find out how much money you can save right now for free. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. Even credit scores in the 500s can be approved. And if we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. But because we're licensed in more than 40 states, we can help more families than ever before. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Oh, and did I mention you could skip your next two house payments? Hurry to SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on, right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.